Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to tonight's edition of Students for Better Future Radio. I'm your host, Doreen Cinco, with Ruben Torres, and we are live. Once again, hello, everybody, and welcome to tonight's edition of Students for a Better Future Radio. Um, and, folks, we have a, another great show for you tonight, as we do every Tuesday night. Um, we're going to be discussing everything from immigration to foreign policy and and uh, bring you up to date on all the latest events. But before we go there, I do want to remind you the show is sponsored by the 501c3 nonprofit, studentsforabetterfuture.com. And um, we are actually running an essay contest. It's called Tipping Point. And if um, you can go to the website and make a donation, uh, you will see the donate button up there. It's what keeps us running. Um, your, your dollars are tax deductible. And the essay contest, um, we are on GoFundMe.com backslash tipping point. Um, we are having the college students write an essay about the national debt. How will they solve the national debt? And a uh, very interesting contest going on here, and uh, we're, we're very excited to hear from what our students have to say. And um, Ruben and I were talking before the show, and, you know, we always think it's a great idea that the youth gets involved. And um, Ruben, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Uh, without the the youth, you know, and and us bringing them up to date and educating them, this is their country. Of course, and, and, and this is you know. I, I, go ahead. Yeah, of course. I mean, the the, the essay is something that is going to give them an give these students an incentive to a future that it, it appears to be now very bleak because of the current economic conditions, the 18, 18, $19 trillion deficit that they're going to be inheriting, uh, the whole uh, very quality of uh, the student, the quality of life, the student debt that they, they're, they're incurring. So, yes, the incentive to do an essay that's going to make them feel really, really good about who they are, who they are and what their future is all about. I think it's a great idea, Doreen. Right. And, you know, we figure if the politicians can't figure it out, maybe we have some uh, people, you know, who are students who can, with bright ideas, who can, you know, uh, express them and see what they can do. Um, yep. You know, uh, because we're 18 trillion in, in debt right now. Exactly. That's incredible, isn't yeah. it? Um, and, uh, folks, I want to go ahead. Well, um, I, I think I think yeah, we definitely can touch on that. But uh, since we have our guest and each uh, right. time, uh, maybe we can go right up. Welcome, uh, Javier. Welcome to, to uh, our hold program. Hold on, we're getting some we're getting some background here. 
Um, okay, uh, we'll bring our guest on in, in just a minute or so until we figure this out. Uh, okay, uh, our guest is uh, Xavier Maneras, and he has a group. Yeah, Javier Maneras. Shark Tank, Javier, right. Right. And he's with the group Shark Tank. Welcome to the show. Thanks, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, and we uh, want to go right to immigration tonight, right, Ruben? Yes. Let's jump right away. Uh, sure. Javier, the, the current yeah. immigration policy that the, uh, the Obama administra- administration has said is that bas- basically in the Democratic Party has stated that we, uh, any any type of immigration uh, has to have a pathway to citizenship. Um, right. In regards to this, what's your take on the current situation of the administration, of the Obama administration regarding that policy? Right. And what do you see well, I, down, down the line if a Republican gets uh, the, the White House in 2016? Well, first of all, the Obama administration is off, off message here. Well, they're actually they're on message, but it, as, as far as their message, it, it, it's the wrong message. It sends the wrong message to a lot of Americans. Because the first problem was uh, they failed with many policies, including Republicans, failed to see that the immigration we don't have uh immigration problem we have an illegal immigration problem and in the bigger issue the overarching issue is the fact that the immigration problem or the border security issue is a national security issue it's nothing more nothing less is that that trumps everything and the administration of the federal government has it has the job the primary job of the federal government is to protect the sovereignty of the united states of america said first and foremost again we have to start identify the problem and it's a national security issue as far as their take on immigration with with a pathway to citizenship it's amnesty you know and, and are, do we want to be the country that uh pretty much you know says, says to the rest of the world look you know it's okay to come and break our laws and come illegally and stay here look i'm sympathetic just like the next person uh, for illegals that are leaving uh um these uh, tyrannical regimes, uh, governments like, you know, in oppressive regimes like in Mexico or in Central America. I mean, it's, it's, the poverty level is, is, is unbelievable down there. But, again, we're in laws, and, and most Hispanics, for the most part, if you ask them, they believe in the rule of law. They want to leave, leave these countries that are insecure. They leave these, these uh, corrupt countries and, and crime-ridden countries to come to the U.S. Okay. Yeah, mind you, some have to break the law to get here, but... You know, for the most part, the, the ones that stay here are, are the hard workers. But, again, we also, again, because it is a national security issue, we don't know who's crossing the border. We know there's Muslim extremists or radical extremists in, uh, across the border. We, we know about the gang violence. We know about the drug trade that, that's fueling the gang violence and the murder rate along the border. So I don't see how the argument is. And I think, I think with as far as the, the path of decision, it's a political ploy. This is a divisive issue that they use as a fear-mongering tactic to gain votes, to gain the Hispanic vote. And remember, the majority of voting Hispanics are Mexican-American descent. You know, where do these where do the immigrants come from? Where do they come through? Mexico. Right. No, no, I'm, I'm with you on, on the whole, uh, what you just said. It's, uh, that's that's my, 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 my platform. Right. That's my policy, too. Um, Doreen, you want to ask Javier a question? Uh, yeah. Actually... Um, so do you actually support um, the amnesty or, you know, uh, or, or the path, I guess the pathway to citizenship, right? That's the current one? 
the amnesty. Yeah, for the popular citizenship. Um, which I think is is a great idea. Um, however, you know, and right now we seem to have, you know, I, I don't know what the figure is, 11 million or more undocumented aliens here. Um, yeah, they're saying there's 11 million, but I, I think there's a lot more than 11 million undocumented. I'm, I don't say undocumented illegal aliens because that's what they are. They're not undocumented. They're illegal. Right, mm-hmm. right. Correct. I, I, I I am for legal immigration, meaning you come through the door and you, you get documented, um, and you know, right. and for for some security on the border. Um, but my question to you, and it's always been this: uh, a lot of these people come across the border, and let's say they have a baby in the country, right. and um, therefore the baby is a citizen, but the parent is not. How, right, how, does, how do we handle right. that? Well, well, look, there's different ways. It's it, it, a basic immigration issue. If you, A lot of these people come here for economic – most people come for economic reasons. If you make it that much more difficult to come here, if you employ an uh, uh, e-verify system where mm-hmm. the verification of legal citizenship is done before you're hired, they're not going to come here. They're going to leave. They're going to leave by attrition. Okay, so, so uh, what is the uh, penalty? Uh, yeah, the anchor babies. Go ahead. I'll let you finish. Yeah, it's the anchor yeah. baby issue that a lot of them come here again to cross the border, and and a lot of them cross the border and get pregnant and go through the whole the whole pregnancy here and have the baby, and that then becomes an anchor baby. A lot of them just don't come over. A lot of them do and just drop drop anchor if you would <laughs> and have it here. But that's that's just the problem, and a lot of them wouldn't do that if they knew that it was a lot more difficult to become a uh, resident or get the benefits that Americans re- if, if if there was a lot of more, if the laws were enforced, the existing laws were enforced, or others um, like E-Verify were implemented. But some of our constituents say, well, you should deport the baby as well. I've heard that Well, one. look, the law is the law. So whether it's a baby, whether it's a dog, if they're here illegally, you know, yeah, that's what what the immigration laws call for deportation. Right, it sounds uh, right, but it is what it is. Yeah. Go ahead, Ruben. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you, you know, my 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 parents uh, basically uh, came here legally, um, just like your family came here legally. Right, right. But one of one of the things that when we when we watch and I watch English and Spanish. Um, uh, programs, but Univision, Univision, and uh, Telemundo, these are basically two networks that are basically illegal, illegal immigration. What what do you see? What do you see? The, the detriment, detriment of these two that are basically advising. In conjunction with the Mexican government, in conjunction with the Mexican government, on how to migrate here legally. Well, you you broke up. Refresh that question. You broke up there a couple of times. I got a little scattered. Yeah, go ahead and ask again. Yeah, what I was saying is that we have here a situation where two of the major key uh, Hispanic networks, right, along with the Mexican government, are in conjunction working together to make illegal immigration seem to be legal. 
and then we have no, other you're politicians. referring to Telemundo and, and Univision, right? Correct, correct. We yeah. we have had- two these entities along with the political uh, individuals like Luis Gutierrez and, and others in the Democratic Party yeah. that are trying to convince people that the illegal immigration illegal immigration is really legal. You know, they changed the tune, the, the name, illegal immigrant, instead of really identifying like you and me do, illegal immigrant, immigrants. Well, they, they don't like, refer, they refer to them as undocumented, which is one of the same, but the, the true term, listen, when they give out resident alien cards, what does a resident alien card say? It says resident alien, meaning it's an alien, they're aliens, they're not from here. So they, maybe if they, have, if they take issue with that, then maybe they should change the actual legal documentation that the that is that is uh, passed around to resident aliens, but but Telemundo. The problem with Telemundo is is that obviously they're the biggest network in the country, and there's so many Hispanics that everyone turns to them. They can say whatever they want. I mean, I used to be on Al Punto every Sunday years until they booted me off because I didn't pres- I didn't subscribe to their their ideology. You know, Jorge right. Ramos once told me before we went on 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 set. He said, Javier, why are you so anti-Hispanic? I'm like, Jorge, how am I, how am I anti-me? You know, because look at you, like, because I was ethnic looking, I yeah. should, and I'm my parents from Colombia, that I should be, uh, I should have drank the Kool-Aid that he drank, that all illegals should be, come here, and that this should be the United States of Amigo, not the United States of America. <laughs> I like that. I like that. It was a good yeah. one, Javier. All right. All right. Um, I do want to ask you, yeah, I do want to ask you this, and we also get a lot of this from our listeners, um, are the uh, undocumented immigrants driving down wages? Uh, you, you brought up again. Uh, uh, the undocumented what? Are the undocumented uh, uh, workers driving down wages? Well, yeah, because think about it. Businesses hire undocumented because you don't have to. You, you don't, they don't have to pay for the insurances or whatnot. So even if they paid a flat cash rate, which is a number of the case, a day, they don't have to worry about all the other expenditures, the Social Security, FICA, all that stuff. You know, and so they just pay them cash on the table and it works out for them. But again, you know, if there's a crackdown on, on, on these businesses, these people won't get hired and they'll leave by attrition. Right, right, definitely. Uh, right, but there's uh, one more. There's also um, jobs that the, uh, those people take that American workers don't take. So, like for example, um, landscaping jobs. Okay. Well, um, I, I beg to differ with that. I, I, listen, and I'm going to cut okay, you off there because there are a lot of landscape jobs and some agriculture jobs that a lot of Americans will 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 take. But the problem is that because of the tax rate. Corporate tax in the country in the in the U.S. is the highest in the world. Companies cannot afford to pay uh, the usual Americans. They're not going to pay them twenty bucks an hour, fifteen bucks an hour. Because why? If they had a, they had a lower tax rate, they probably could afford that. And more Americans would would uh, would pay would take those jobs. But they can. That's why they need uh, a labor force that will help them out. I mean, so I'm all for like um, work work visas for these people because. You know, I'm not going to go pick cotton or pick uh, vet, uh, vegetables. You know, unless I'm making at least fifteen to twenty bucks an hour. You know, I'm not going to do it for a hundred bucks a day like a lot of these immigrants do. Right. Right. Go ahead, well, they, they, they could implement exactly what you just said. I mean, I lived in Canada for a couple of years. I mean, for a couple of um, about six months, and and that's what they do. They have a, a, a visa 
immigrant visa policy, a temporary visa policy for six months. They come in, they take care of the stuff, and they go back home. And that's right. it. And it it works out for, for the Canadian government. But uh, now, now we have, um, in the last couple of minutes that we have, uh, right. we have we have a couple of candidates that are basically stressing basically not to allow they're very tough and they've been very consistent on legal immigration. The one that the most consistent has been Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz right. has, uh, has not, yeah. yeah, Ted Cruz has not backed away from it. I mean Donald Trump has been getting all the headlines. But in your opinion, of all the Republican candidates, do you believe that Ted Cruz has been the toughest and most consistent uh politician in regards to illegal immigration? By, by far, is the most consistent conservative in the whole presidential field. I, I actually uh, sat down with Ted uh, Glenn last month and spoke to Donald Trump a couple of weeks back. I interviewed Donald Trump regarding the immigration issue, and both of them are very, very strong on the issue. Uh, but Ted has been most consistent because Ted's been like this since before. I knew him before he ran, and when he started running in 21, ran and he won the Senate seat. He's always been consistent. You know, Mark was a good friend of mine, but he changed his position on immigration and. That's where him and I differ. But, yeah, he's been the most consistent Ted has. I like Marco. I like Marco, but I call, I call him the flip-flopper. <laughs> Marco, call him the flip-flopper. Him and I differ on immigration reform. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, why don't we go ahead, since we have a couple of, uh, can you go uh, basically give us an overview, a summary of, of your book, The Brown Book? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, the book I wrote, well, basically... Um, the whole gist of the book was, uh, and I'll, I'll just I'll just give a quick synopsis, was um, to kind of speak to who Hispanics are. So I like to say that the book Brown People is a is a brown print, if you would, as opposed to blueprints on how to best address the uh, Hispanics. It's not about immigration reform, but it is, and it's about it's 13 chapters of uh, little stories about who Hispanics are. Look, I grew up Hispanic. My first language was Spanish, and my parents immigrated here legally from Colombia. So I can speak to this. I mean, I live it. I live. I live in Los Angeles, and I live in, in South Florida, which are havens for Hispanics. The, the cornucopias for Hispanics. So the book pretty much outlines who these people are. Because I always tell people the best way to to uh, to put a message forward that people are going to agree with, or or if you want to put out a message that, that you want people to agree with you on, it's best to understand the target, who these people are. You know, you're not right. just going to throw a bunch of money at, at, at the demographic you think like this. You want to know who they are how they think, what makes them tick, you know, what they like to eat. Look, I don't like guacamole, believe it or not. Not every Hispanic likes guacamole. You know, not every Hispanic likes tacos, like a lot of people think. I hate beer. I hate Corona. So, you know, but I'm still Hispanic, and people say, you must like beer. That's ignorance. So the book is about getting to know, learning who Hispanics are, how they are, like I said, what makes them tick to better address them, whether it's about immigration, whether it's about uh, anything in politics, and that's the gist of the book, and it, it's been it's it's sold per, uh, pretty well. Um, happy with the with the outcome, and you know, entertaining. Can you and, and your, website, your website again? Us, yeah, your website. The, the the website for the book is brownpeople.org, and the political site is shark-tank.com. Shark-tank.com. It's great, um, okay. great articles, yeah. great articles. Yeah. Hopefully, and, uh, I know. Yeah, go ahead, Ruben. Hopefully, um, hopefully, okay. uh, Javier, hopefully we can come back uh, because there's so much more and and uh, to talk about it. But uh, thank you for for coming on. No, thanks yes. for having me on. Call me anytime. Appreciate it. Yeah. Right. And um, 
folks, we're going to go to commercial break for a minute, and we're going to come back here. We have um, a couple other guests coming up from Wake Up America, uh, another great group, grassroots group, uh, and they will be joining us in a few minutes after our commercial break. So hang out, folks. Um, okay, folks, we're back again, uh, and once again, um, we're talking about an essay contest, 
And yeah. uh, if you can go there, it's gofundme.com backslash tipping point. Um, that would be great. Your uh, your money will be well worth spent there. Um, and if you, especially if you care about this country and the direction it's going, think of it this way. They're the future, okay? It's going to be their country. Do you want your son or daughter to inherit a country like this? Because I certainly don't. Right, Ruben? Correct. I mean, again, the the the, the situation is that they, the, the future generation that's going to take over our country uh, it needs to be energized. And I believe this essay is a good beginning, a good start for that to happen. Yes. And plus, we all know on, on college campuses that there's not too much in the way of diversity of political thought. Um, and next week, uh, before we bring our guest on, I do want to mention we're going to have a guest. His name is Dr. Andrew Bernstein. Um, he's with the Ayn Rand Institute. Uh, and I don't know if we're all familiar with that, but um, very important topic. Uh, and this institute also helps students to think outside the box. Um, but we do have our guest on the line, and uh, I do want to bring our guest up. Um, we're going to be talking with a group called uh, Wake Up America. Um, and uh, do we have our guest on the line? Can you hear us? Uh, Lorraine is here. Can you hear me? Lorraine's here. I, we can hear you, Lorraine, very loud and clear. Okay, very um, good. How are you? How are you? How are you today? I'm I'm well. How are you? I, I listened to the first part of your show with Javier, and I, it was very excellent. I enjoyed hearing his discussion on the illegal immigration question. Yes. Yeah, Lorraine. Yeah. Hi, Lorraine. Very, very, very Hi, Ruben. important topic. Yes, um, it is. And you know, and and also how we we did not mention, but should have mentioned how it's tied in to the health care because you know I don't know about you, but uh, you know, I mean, our premiums have just gone up. Um, you know, and you, you know, and, and to cover for all this. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think people um, really mind paying for those who are just struggling here and or have a hard time paying for the health care. I don't think the American citizens have a hard time with that. I think they have a hard time with people just flooding into the country and taking advantage of the health care. Um, like, for example, the uh, uh, those that come here and have a baby, and, and Ruben and I have talked about this often. Um, so, you want to share? Yeah, your I would agree with that, and I think it's just—it's not only the premiums, as I understand it; it's the deductibles as well. So, the deductibles are so high that you have to be fairly, you know, seriously have a very serious condition to even make your deductible at this point. And, you know, it just seems like we need to take care of our citizens. And um, I worry about people coming in just to get the benefits, just to get the, you know, the health care and the welfare and the food stamps and all of those things that that we tend to hand out to folks. Right. And and I do want to ask you, and any, anybody can answer the question, is there a way where we can just get rid of this Obamacare? Well, we, we, we thought there was a way. And we thought that the way was to hand the Republicans the House and then the Senate. 
Um, unfortunately, most of them seem to not have any courage or desire to fight this issue. I don't know if Jackery's on the line, but we were discussing I am. Oh, great. Yes, Jackery, yes. this kind of fits into what we were talking about this afternoon. Hey, yeah, about Lorene, what... you showed up first. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, uh-huh. I, I didn't know Doreen's whether to comment? buzz click. Hello, Doreen. Hello, Ruben. Hi, how Hello. are you? Um, we're on a roll with this. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah very good. Just to finish my thought really quickly, um, you know, we thought that we would have a fight in Washington. We thought that the Supreme Court would stand up for our Constitution, and obviously neither of those have happened. And unfortunately, I think, you know, we need some more dramatic change than we've seen to, to really be able to to right this ship. May I respond what, what, to that? You absolutely can. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, Wham! The Wake Up America movement, as I gather you've introduced us before I arrived, is very focused on election strategies and vote records and exposing what goes on behind the scenes. Uh, The bottom line immediate answer to that question, Doreen, is that we've got a Congress that's not doing what we elected them to do. There are no quick solutions to that. If we're really smart, Uh, stay informed and spread the word and are attentive, uh, as Wham always aims to be, in spreading the word, then I, I would believe that it is possible to do something about that based on, underlined, the results of the 2016 election on all levels. Um, and that includes preeminently who the Republican nominee will be. Do you see? And okay. is that making sense to you, Doreen? Yes. Uh, Not- and will they nothing- have enough to, to uh, uh, overturn this in some way? That's my biggest well, question. Well, you know, it's a cliche by now. But the fact is the so-called leadership is standing in the way, and with all the minute election tracking and vote record tracking that Wham has been doing, uh, with me as the strategist and Lorene as a brilliant analyst and, and supporter in this tracking, it's very clear that we need to continue to build up our numbers in the House, and preeminently, we must have an authentic, constitutionally grounded Republican candidate. And so that, and I know I'm kind of diving in apparently, uh, but we've got, we've got some really important vital information to share with your listeners on that subject, if we might uh, dive in there Go ahead. to the state of the Republican race. Does that work for you? I might yes, I might comment before we do that, that Doreen. Anyhow, so. Doreen, to your, to your comment about do we have enough? You know, if you look at the numbers, we have enough now. Um, maybe not enough to override a veto, but we certainly have enough to make a statement 
I think what's frustrating the voters uh, who put the current Congress and Senate in place is that they don't seem to be following what they campaigned on. And I, I put that on the leadership. The leadership is not following that. Well, and and I would I would clarify further my definition of what I I meant by enough because Lorreen really and I did not get to discuss this particular aspect um, in in advance of your show. When I talk about enough, I'm not talking about the so-called Republican majority. I'm talking about the seat-by-seat tracking that we've been doing uh, starting in 2008, very pinpointed in the 2010 election and the 2012 election. We're, We're catching up on our records for the 2014 election. I'm referring specifically to enough constitutionally committed Representative. So, yes, as Lorreen said, it would appear we have a Republican majority. But what we really, really have, and the more analysis we've done, the more tragically we've had to face the facts. What's really happening is we've got one party rule in Washington, D.C. And Lorreen will give you other words for it, and she's very articulate on this subject. When I say one-party rule, I'm talking about the party of corruption and collusion. Uh, There is a behind-the-scenes structure running what goes on in D.C. and on Capitol Hill. And that structure is composed of both so-called Democrats and so-called Republicans. And this party, this group, this collusion I'm referring to that's really running things has no interest in the public interest. They operate out of backdoor deals and manipulation of the media uh, in a highly organized way and self-interest. And they're so arrogant, they don't even care that they're acting in complete defiance of the platform on which uh, they were given a record-breaking majority. Do you see? Does that make sense to you? Right, and and I happen to call them elitists. Yeah. Well, you know, we can Um, call them... And I think Jackery mentioned that I have a term, and it's kind of consistent with yours, Doreen, the political elite. Um, I see them as politically elite in that many of them have been in D.C. for so long, I think they've actually forgotten the people that sent them there. And I can speak to my senators specifically in terms of the way they vote, not consistent with the values of our state. Um, so I think they, they get there and, and they've forgotten the people. And, you know, we'll hear people talking about the silent majority or why the candidates that are popular now are the candidates leading on the Republican side, at least, that are outside of that political lead and outside of that establishment. And that's what I think we're seeing unfold really before our very eyes with the polls and with the popularity and, and, of and candidates. This, and this yep. goes, yes, this goes yep. beyond. The, the reason I don't leave it at terms like elitist, uh, though I'm agreeing with you, is because what really needs to be emphasized is that this goes beyond 
any particular singular individuals. This goes beyond those who are only in the facade of leadership roles, and that's why I call it one party. If you want, you can call it the establishment. But what's important to understand about it is that it's very long-term. It's been there for a long time. The depth of corruption, waste, and fraud has barely begun to be exposed at a surface level, uh, even with all the investigating and tracking that we've been doing. And the point I've emphasized here is they're a group. They're like a little army. They're a group. They're highly organized. They take orders and act in collusion from the top down. And frankly, I think Loreen is being kind, saying they get in office and forget. Um, they're liars, and they don't care, you know? Well, I- I'll, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go a couple of steps beyond that. The, the bottom line in Washington D.C. is that we have political lobbyists, you know, that are out there writing the bills, the legislation for these politicians in Washington. So it goes beyond them saying, "Well, you know, we're not really beholden to to the American people." They're basically their job is really right now to be honest and to be blunt is not to the American people it's to the people who fund their campaigns exactly years. it's to thwart it's to thwart yeah. the American people. you know this is a way way deeper topic in terms of exposing the how highly organized it is and how as a body it acts from behind the scenes. And uh, the, manipula- the manipulation of the mainstream mass media plays a crucial role in what they're doing. Uh, because of the importance of the upcoming elections, what Lorene and I did get to discuss is that given the opportunity of the bit of time we have together tonight, and of course we'd love to come on and share with you again, but... Mm-hmm. What's most vital and valuable for concerned citizens to be aware of right now is that this one party, this backdoor group of elitists who have both party labels, uh, who act on behalf of those who really elect them, uh, which they don't see to be the voters or the general public, have concocted a truly Machiavellian strategy to usurp the Republican nomination for Jeb Bush. And, of course, if we wind up with nothing more than a Jeb Bush-Hillary Clinton contest, frankly, and this would be a surprise to people who know how passionate and optimistic I am, if that were the case, we may as well not vote in the presidential race in 2016 because it's only more of the behind the scenes collusion by those who over a long term now have been bringing down our constitution and eradicating our middle class and basically destroying our republic so if you'd like Lorene and I would both I think love to chat and share more 
about this strategy that's being used uh, to manipulate the nomination for Jeb Bush? Does that sound of interest to you? Yes, and too. Uh, but, but before we go there, I do want to mention this one thing, and I talked to Ruben about it before, um, because we work with the college kids, um, and what I found for doing this for this is going on my third year. Um, I've gotten no help from the the national the National Republicans, you know. Absolutely Did you say you've gotten nothing. no help, Doreen? Did none, you say no help? None. None, none, and um, you, you know, and uh, I don't know. I often said it's because I wore the Tea Party name, you know. But it, it doesn't matter. I mean, we're now students for a better future, and we we have our operating license is five hundred one c three, you know. And to this day, I wouldn't combat the college Republicans over here in New Jersey because they they themselves, the students, will work with us, but not uh, the upper echelons. Good for you. Um, good so, for you, Doreen. It's wonderful work you're doing. I was going through your, your mammoth website and <laughs> all you do, and that's a cause close to all our hearts. I'll give you just a moment's background with our limited time here. Well, I think when uh, Wake how much Up time America, do we have, um, Doreen? About when, when 20 does, minutes. Like, no. when well, Wake yeah, Up America. Okay. When Wake Up America movement was founded, and uh, we actually did uh, I- I- informally uh, launch the Party movement. Uh, and so back at that time, this is back in 2008 before the election. At that point, we did attempt to work with volunteers nationally on the ground. We no longer do that. We're delighted that people get involved in ground activities, you know, through their their own organizations. We're more interested in the tracking and exposing and strategy now. But back then, Doreen, when we started working on the ground, we I was in touch with, I can't even tell you, how many RNC offices on the campaign trail where we had volunteers go in, and it's as if the writing was on the wall and it was all foreshadowed. They did not want anything to do with them. Do you see? They didn't want anything to do with our volunteers. Now, back then, so I'd have to be on the phone with volunteers, you know, giving them whole sets of instructions on what to do in parts of the country when I wasn't even there uh, because they were not getting any support from the official Republican campaign offices. Now, there'd be many, many details to that story, and it's a long, dirty, sad story, that you might be interested in sometime. But bringing it up to date, we now understand that. Do you see? And that's what we want yes. to help the public understand. There's only one party. Forget these. It's a backdoor party composed of people from both parties. Forget these leadership labels. Forget these party labels. That that That's all a media ploy to preoccupy uh, what they consider to be the naive and manipulate, manipulable 
public, you know. It's sort of like the show of the Christians and the lions that the Romans put on, did you see? And that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing with this debacle of a debate process right now. Um, so, you know, if you think there's time, we'd, we'd love to give your listeners the briefest overview of an outline of what the master plan is that they're working on now to manipulate sure, nomination. And because it's rather in-depth, and I'd love for Loreen to break in at any time, uh, because she always has a worthwhile perspective, and we concur on this overall. Um, I'm, we're, we're only going to give a little bit of the umbrella structure, and what we, in fact, what I can do right now, if it's all right, and we'll do again at the end. I will give the email address for WAM for Wake Up America Movement, sure. and any of your listeners who would want to be on the mailing list for our WAM alerts and our WAM action calls that we get out cumulatively kind of, uh, kind of a lengthy piece now and then when we get something together uh, to expose clearly, then we'd, we'd love to have interested, concerned citizens send us an email, let us know you want to be on the email list, and when when those emails are received from your show only, a special bonus will be included. We will reply to those emails with a series of links where your listeners can look up a number of articles that more in-depth expose what this strategy is right now. How does that sound? That sounds great. Because we won't get to fully outline it. It's just, it's too surreptitious and deep and snaky. So I'll give the email address now, all right, and then we'll give it again at the end. Okay. Is that okay? The email address is info, I-N-F-O, at WAMAction, W-A-M-A-C-T-I-O-N, dot org. And so anybody from your show who drops a line that they want to be on the WAM email list, they will receive as a bonus a reply email, brief and simple, with a series of links to some of the articles exposing the strategy that is now being used by the RNC in collusion with the mainstream media in in order to make Bush the man. And I would just mention, anybody who emails us to go on the mailing list, we only care to communicate with actual people who are concerned citizens. So what we need in that request is not only the reader's email address, but their first name, last name, city, and state. And and then we've got an idea of of who we're outreaching to. So, and and Lorene, I'm going to outline the strategy and then you dive in. How's that? Okay. Because uh, Lorene will have far more value to add. The strategy is something being called a splitter strategy. Somebody sent me some articles on it after I had already done an analysis and identified it myself anyway. 
uh, just based on watching what was going on with the debates so far. And uh, one group that's putting out exposure of this strategy is calling it the GOP splitter strategy. And I think, Lorene, you called it the splinter strategy. Yeah, but I, that and was actually a mistake. I think it's commonly known as a splitter strategy. No, we can call it what we want to, and I like the splinter strategy because that that really more fully explains what it is. I'll outline it in brief, and I'll turn it over to Lorene. And Lorene can interrupt at any point. The strategy is this. The reason there are so many candidates in this race is because the RNC is manipulating to ensure, as the primaries and caucuses move state by state, that the votes against Jeb Bush are going to be fractionalized, therefore increase his position. Is that making sense so far? Uh, yeah, go, go ahead. Now, I'm looking for... I. I but, but, what, but I'm just curious, what, why would they fractionalize? Because well, they fractionalize. It's all a matter of numbers, Doreen, and these articles explain it more in depth. If they can get Bush to cumulatively, and I know this isn't going to make sense, but it's a numbers game. If they can get Bush to cumulatively get 15 per, to 20% of the primary, primary and caucus votes and do that by simultaneously bringing all the other candidates down to lower vote totals, then they will manipulate him into the position of being the nominee. So they're intentionally splintering the vote. Now, I'm going to read a list here directly of the pretense candidates that they are using to splinter that vote, and then maybe it'll start to make a little more sense. Uh, Carly, Fiorini, Carly Fiorina is on that list. Let's face it, it's nice to have a woman around. There's more we could say on her background pro and con. She's certainly articulate. She's not going to be the candidate. But she does splinter the votes. Mike Huckabee's time has come and gone. He's still in there, and they support him just enough to keep him in there to splinter the votes, as in the primary in his state of Arkansas. In New Jersey... Chris Christie splinters the primary votes. In Ohio, John Kasich splinters the vote. In South Carolina, Lindsey Graham splinters the vote. And you may not even have it in your attention that there are two more candidates who, for no good reason, are not dropping out. They don't even have measurable support. But as favorite sons in their own home state, they can splinter the vote. And, Loreen, will you remind us, or Ruben, where George Pataki and Jim Gilmore are? Uh, Gilmore's, Gilmore's Virginia, Pataki's New York. 
Correct. Yeah. Okay. And then Rubio plays a role there because they're hoping that Rubio in Florida can splinter the vote of of Trump in order to bolster Jeb Bush's position. Is that something that you can even begin to follow on on just the level of this superficial presentation? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we 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 had a in our discussion that we had our meetings. Uh, yeah, I, I I can I can see that happening. But there, there's one stumbling block that they didn't anticipate, and that was Trump. You know, That's Ruben, correct. I've I've been studying their strategy ever since our roundup. I would really caution people about being optimistic about that. You know, the the more important thing for the public to know, I think, is that the candidates that I've mentioned, and I can list them over again, they are only remaining in the race and being propped up in order to manipulate a portion of the primary or caucus support in in their particular little feistum. And as we've discussed in our roundup, and I'll turn it over to Loreen, what they desperately want to do is get the real constitutional candidates out of the race. They succeeded in doing that with Scott Walker. I watched step by step how that was related through the media. They're now applying exactly the same technique they applied to Ostwalker. They're now applying to uh, to Cruz, and right. we but, think but that's Cruz. What, that's, what, that's what we have. That's what we have. Uh, I disagree, uh, and I said it in our in our meetings. Um, what I mean is that Ted Cruz is well funded, it's well organized throughout the whole country, and he's going to be there until the end. Ted Cruz is not. I, I love that I, I love that idea, Ruben, and uh, I hope that's true. And I know you're a busy and well-informed guy, but I'm watching what mainstream media is doing. They're doing exactly the same thing to Cruz they did to walk between him. They're not even including him on the screen polls. They're trying to ignore him into non-existence. Right. Let me oh, turn it over. Let me turn it over to Lorene, though, because we're so glad yeah, she's I, here. Yeah, I think there's so much to there's so much to talk about around the strategy and how do we get a good candidate out of this process. Um, but I, I think you know, Ruben, to your point, the articles I've read was Trump was in fact a wild card for them to come into the race. They were not when they looked at the strategy, they were not anticipating Trump. I think um, you know there's a difference between Cruz and Walker in that Cruz is pretty well funded, as I understand it. And it, it being well-funded, he has staying power. Now, they are ignoring him, to Jackery's point. Um, if, they, if he gets any press at all, it's negative press. But if you listen to his comments on the floor of the Senate last week, uh, was, uh, yeah, it was last week, you know, the man is so principled um, and so strong to stand up there against literally everyone in the Senate, Democrats, Republicans, except for, for perhaps Mike Lee, getting no support, but still willing to stand up and, and speak the truth and tell the truth to the American people. No um, doubt we, you know, no doubt we love Cruz. No doubt we recognize his high level 
of authenticity and integrity. Uh, but they did it to Walker, and I'm telling you, they're now aiming to do it to, to Cruz. But go on with your thoughts on this, please. Louise. Well, I think, um, you know, so the splitter strategy, when you think about it, and, uh, and Jackery um, articulated it well in some very specific instances of what they're trying to do, like with Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham in South Carolina will be the favorite son. So he will he will take the vote that would normally go maybe to Cruz or to conservative, and he'll split it because he's going to take some of that vote away. And as he takes that vote away, he is going to, um, of course, take take um, delegates, dilute the delegates that could have gone to a conservative candidate. And if if Jeb Bush can get the majority in some of these states, it's winner take all. Winner takes all of the delegates. So and when you, you get a winner-take-all kind of state, yeah. that's where the strategy really starts to work. It needs to be emphasized that if you do the math, as mind-boggling as it sounds, and these article links will tell you more about it, and I'll for sure get that off to you, Doreen, and hope you'll get mm-hmm. on your ours and we'll get on yours, mm-hmm. it's only going to take 50 to 20% of cumulative public support for them to manipulate Bush into the nomination. Not a majority, not big numbers. Just that I off. see. I'm wondering though, because yeah. his poll numbers are so bad. I mean they are really bad. I'm wondering if they're going to be able to hold with him as as their as their guy. You um, know, Lorene, I watch CNN tonight. I watch mm-hmm. CNN to check into their latest strategy step. They had not one, but two commentators directly preempting and answering the question you just asked. And both their so-called impartial commentators were raving about the wonders of Jeb Bush and absolutely emphasizing that he's got the power behind him, that he's going to be in this to the end, and he's the one to take it. So you may say that makes no sense, but you and Ruben and I have been watching. The media takes a lie, makes the public believe it, and thereby turns it into a fact, right? Yeah. Uh, Doreen, were were you saying something? Uh, yeah, um, actually, um, y- you know, I, 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 I'm Jeb Bush getting in because uh, he is for Common Core, right. you know, and big negative, um, and called yes, illegal immigration an act of love. Another big negative, right? <laughs> Right, but but I do see how he he can manage to get in, and also I wanted to say that we're going to have two bad candidates in 2016. That's what the American people are going to have to choose from. Yeah, you mean if Jeb gets in there? Well, yes. Well, yes. Me, yeah, I agree I, with you, Doreen. I, uh, let, we, I, Ruben. Yeah. I, it's it's going to be quick. Um, I I've made a, the prediction on this program that Hillary Clinton will not be the nominee on the Democratic ticket. It's going to be Joe Biden. I agree with you. It's going to be Joe Biden. So, uh, 
that's it's going to be it's going to be Biden because the White House is the one that is leaking all this information because they don't want Hillary and they want Joe Biden to carry on the legacy. That's and right. I'm going to say it doesn't make any difference in one regard, and and you know just just for the record, um, I'm not ready to concur with that assessment. Not that I think it even matters. They're all part of the one party of collusion. Uh, call it the establishment, you know, call it whatever you choose. One of the links that we will send to those who write into info at whamaction.org mm-hmm. to be on our WAM alert list uh, is an article by uh, 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 that extensively quotes a Rush Limbaugh show Limbaugh show where he exposed that that he's on to their strategy, and I was hoping to read his quotes, but we don't fully have time for that. So I think, Lorene, what do we want people to know? Do we want people to know? Spread the word that this is what's happening. Make sure you do not support any of those splinter uh, fronted candidates. And and I was even thinking, you know, Ruben, Lorene, Doreen, what do you think of this? You know, there's all these online polls they're doing all the time. I don't think Trump needs the support of another online poll. It's not like you're really voting. But Cruz, I think, needs the help more than is being recognized. And uh, I would encourage people, you run across these online polls, Put in there for Cruz. What do you guys think? Uh, you're right. Um, you know, help make him hard to ignore. Well, yeah. Well, we had yeah, we had we, we we had the director, right, Doreen? We had the director of Ted Cruz campaign in, in the state of Michigan. Ah, and, yes. Yeah, and and she and she indicated that they're basically they they have the ground attack everywhere. They've been very quiet and everything, letting everyone else, you know, really kill each other. But their plan is well devised and, and is well organized, and there's the funding. And I think at the end, he'll be there. Yeah. I'm just issuing a wham alert. I'm watching what they're doing. They got rid of Walker. They're now following the same steps to do all they can to get rid of Cruz. He's got to come up in the polls. I don't care how much money he says he has, or his, like I heard him say, or his campaign does. They're showing him at 6% or less. They're leaving him off the screen while they put other sham 6%ers pictures up there instead. And we need to start showing support for him, is my opinion. Right. But ask yourself, ask yourself, this is intentional. They're doing it because they fear him. He's the only candidate they actually fear. Running against any other Democratic candidates, Ted Cruz is the only one that, that can go one-on-one with them and really whip them. Yeah. They don't want an authentic constitutionalist in there. You know, Correct. He's very he... authentic a constitutionalist. There's no doubt and about that. You know, Walker was their first target. They succeeded. Trump, uh, Cruz is their target now. Uh, 
Rubio, they're featuring a lot as uh, being now, you know, being in a fight with Trump. Yeah. It's all a game show. I it's think a, that, um, you know, it's show. interesting you mentioned Rubio, Jackery, because it looks to me like they're getting nervous about Bush. You may disagree with this, and I know the splitter strategy was all about getting Bush in. That was their strategy going in, and I think I read one article. They actually formulated that strategy about a year ago, and then they put it into place, and they, all these candidates got into the race, and some of them may have, in fact, gotten in like a Lindsey Graham just to support the splitter tra- strategy of the GOP. So I mean, they being, want Rubio to do well in the Florida primary because they are aware that support for Rubio in the primary is going to draw away from the two true constitutionalists. It won't draw away from 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 Trump, uh, or it can draw some away from Trump, maybe, but it's going to draw away from the constitutionalists. Right now, they want Rubio to do well. And as I predicted when we had the roundup, what was it, two or three weeks ago, I said they got rid of Walker this week. The next thing that's going to happen is you're suddenly going to see Rubio coming up in the polls. They used to show Rubio next to Cruz, neck and neck. Now they're showing Rubio at 10 11%, and they're leaving Cruz off the screen. They're using Rubio. Yeah, well, that could be... Let me ask you, do, do the Democrats pull this stuff? I, 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 what I'm, what I'm, how hard Good it question, is Dory. trying to expose. I think you know, the this, Democrats are more. They're they're kind of a solidarity party. You know they they yeah. don't eat their own. Um, they have radical left wing people that are really way out there, uh, uh, way off the reservation in terms of the Constitution, in terms of the values, the founding values and principles of our country, and they embrace them. So what does the Republican Party do? And you mentioned it earlier, Doreen, with the Tea Party, that maybe they weren't supporting your organization because you had a Tea Party label. Well, shame on them. You know, you have um, um, McCain saying the Tea Party needs to, they're a bunch of hobbits, they need to crawl back in their holes. You have uh, McConnell calling them crazies. What is wrong with these people? Unlike the Democrat Party who embraces... Anyone who wants to sort of attach themselves to them, the GOP party wants to throw away the base that gave them their their victories. It makes no sense. It makes total sense, Lorene. Well, it makes no sense to a person who is out in the mainstream looking at this. I mean, you go back to the political elitists in Washington. They want to maintain their power. They they give a hoot about the Constitution, and their oath of office appears to mean nothing to many of these people. Guys, there's one party there, and the Clintons and the Bushes are in it together. So when you ask Doreen about the Democrats, this one party gets together behind the scenes, and they know how to push the hot buttons of the lefties, and they use the media to do that, and they know how to push the hot buttons of the righties, and they use the media to do that. The way they push the hot button of the lefties is with all these presumably idealistic causes. The way they push the hot button of the righties is that they know people on the right, unfortunately, 
tend to be hypercritical of their own. And as Lorene pointed out, the so-called Democrats, they don't get into that kind of public infighting. But the, the so-called Republicans do. And they're all in this together to manipulate the public on both ends. You know, there isn't a left or right. There's all of us left out. That's what there is. All of us left out. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. It's yeah. really the people against the government. Right exactly. And, and they're all buddy buddy. You know, they're all. They're you know, if if we could see that I've done so much in depth research on this, if we could see if if we were a fly on the window sill of who's in these behind-the-scenes meetings and what goes on. It isn't even only U.S. You know, this is an international conspiracy of long-standing. It's a globalist conspiracy. And, uh, you know, they trust that the public can never figure it out as long as people are sufficiently diverted with these mainstream media games to trigger everybody's hot buttons to fight with each other instead of getting together and restoring our middle class, you know, and and reclaiming our government. Well, Doreen, if it's okay, uh, can we we touch on on the subject that I wanted to touch with you guys? Go ahead. The current situation uh, of gun control, gun confiscation, uh, the, the what happened in, in, in Rosenberg, Oregon, this past week, um, where the media portrayed the individual uh, that killed the, these nine individuals in, in at the junior college as someone who was basically... Um, you know, not really describing who he was, but he was a, a he, he converted into uh, he became a Muslim, and he had you know on his social network uh, he had a lot of basically he was idolizing ISIS and, and a lot of the Islamic uh, groups, but the media is portraying this and and our our president the president uh, as a gun issue when it's basically it could be either a mental issue or it could be also an issue that that deals with that we have homegrown converted Muslims killers long wall. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you I heard, for bringing um, that, up, Ruben. Um, I I didn't know that aspect of his background. If I can comment on that issue very briefly, I'd be yeah. glad. to. Uh, is that all right, Doreen? Sure, go ahead. Okay. Uh, the background of Wake Up America movement began in 2008 when I did a, an in-depth investigation of this guy called Barack Obama because I had too much political background not to see something really stink in that whole primary process right from the get-go. Uh, the exposure of Obama's international connections to, you know, the invasion and destruction of the United States 
go back before he ever held any office at all. The world doesn't the, stop the, when you make it. You know, it actually speeds um, up. And nope, we need a commercial uh, break. Hold on. <laughs> okay. No, go ahead. Peter and Inc. It's the future of your business. Should we wait a moment? We're getting static here. Okay. Oh, yes. That's not us. That's Blog Talk Radio. Go ahead. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, the, so, you know, Obama's relationship to Muslims was part of the original expose I did on him. It was the first major online expose on Obama. Nothing about the long-term picture has changed. So the fact that they've ignored, or as you said, Ruben, belied the orientation of this latest shooter is, is perfectly consistent with everything that's been going on for several years now with the current invasion. Uh, it's, not, uh, it's not surprising. But on the issue of these mass slayings, because this is something we've discussed with Wham. Uh, I have mental health background, and I'm aware that... Should we wait a minute, Doreen? I can hear background. Yeah, hold on. Yeah, okay, I just a second, Jackery. There's an announcement Ruben, or something. Ruben, that's, that's not us, folks. That's actually Blog Talk Radio. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just try to speak over it. Do you hear it, Ruben? Right, uh, I don't hear it. I don't. I, I don't hear it right now. I heard it while Jackery was okay. speaking, but it seems to have stopped. So, so uh, maybe we can go. No, ahead. I'll try to. I'll, go I'll be brief. I'll try to speak over it. This again is a topic that you might want on a show, Doreen, especially since you work with students. What is being right. withheld from the public? As usual, since most things that matter are being withheld from the public, is that. The pharmaceutical industry is having a massively destructive impact on the mental health of our society as a whole. And if you dig deep enough in the background of most of these mass shootings and mass shooters, and uh, if not all of them, you will find that they have probably been prescribed and are using a class of antidepressant, anti-anxiety, brain chemical altering substances called for short SSRI blockers. Are you familiar with that, Doreen? Yes, I am. Serotonin reuptake inhibitors produce a long list of extremely dangerous potential side effects, including potentially hallucinations. And in the observation of some mental health professionals, even paranoia. What's occurring in these mass shootings is not normal human behavior. It's irrational, hallucinatory behavior. And it probably has more to do with prescription misuse that's altering the, the state of mind and perceptions of these unfortunate characters than it has anything to do with gun control. Do you see? Yes, I, I do. 
But it brings us um, back to Congress, Capitol Hill, and the media because the pharmaceutical industry is one of three branches of industry that are the top leaders in lobbying and campaign funding and controlling legislation. And, and, and they get to go merrily along uh, with their uh, non-disclosure settlements whenever anybody actually gets around to suing them. And they can afford big payouts because they are making so much money on that class of substances. Then it works with the media because you all know you can't turn on primetime TV without being bombarded with ads about how if you're anxious, depressed, have this, that, or the other condition, you need one of those drugs, right? Yes. You know, and then they've got those cheerful pictures they show while they very quickly rattle off the list of dangerous side effects in brief. That's what's actually happening with these mass shootings. And uh isn't going to expose it. Too much money in it. Yeah. Right. Uh, Ruben, and, yeah. and for Ruben, the media, that's their main commercial sponsors. And they're not going to bite the hand that feeds them. So right, what right. they do is they, they don't expose this background. Think of that psychiatrist, that Muslim psychiatrist at Fort Hood. You know, right. before they were able to censor it, they showed that, that he had in his desk or whatever drawers full of these mind-altering prescriptions that he himself was taking. Right. No, no, I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm with you on that. But basically the question for, for you and Lorraine was, do you see this situation that has been created by the Obama administra- administration and the mainstream to basically every time after a mass shooting, gun confiscation is the number one goal? Right. If you look at, if you go back to very early in the administration when Rahm Emanuel was still there, yes, he still quoted to this day, never let a good crisis go to waste. Right. And what right. they meant is never let a good ri- crisis go to waste to move the leftist agenda forward. Right at the top of the leftist agenda, there's many things that are high, but very high is, is gun confiscation and getting rid of the Second Amendment. They would do that in a heartbeat if they thought that they could. That's going to be a that's going to be a tough one for them because there's a lot of guns in this country. There's a lot of support for the Second Amendment in this country, and I'm not sure that Congress or the Senate will roll over right. and play dead on this one. Um, plus, the NRA is a big lobbying group. So when we talk about follow the money, you know, money is flowing to these candidates from the NRA as well. So they'd have to stab a dollar in the bank in the back to do it. But I got to ask, Irene, with all the tracking that we have done, you know, Wham had probably the biggest research website on all of this online for for 3 years while we had enough volunteers to help. And by the way, we'd be happy for more volunteers, wouldn't we, Lorene? <laughs> sure. Uh very happy if you send us an email. Info at whamaction.org if you've got a little time to help, uh, you know, help our country survive. 
through getting this information together and getting it out to others. But what I was going to say, Lorene, is if you looked at the WAM website as it was, because we haven't updated it for two years, nothing has changed. Every major issue, you know, with it hasn't changed. And so we know the so-called Republican Party has given one excuse for after another, and maybe this is what you were discussing when, when I arrived tonight. They've given one excuse after another for, for why they don't take a stand against Obama. You know, don't yeah, take well, a stand on Obamacare because it's their, in the court. Their general excuse, their, their favorite excuse is we, we don't have the votes to override a veto. And you right. know, I'm sure all of us have heard, and, and we've all said, it doesn't matter. Take the vote. And for us, you know, Jackery, we want them on record for where they stand. To me, that's an excuse for not taking a stand when they say they don't have the votes to override a veto. Take a stand, put it on his desk, and make him do it. Make him. Of course. And they haven't. But they won't. And I'm I'm very glad. I'm really glad that Lorene brought that up because WAM is very practical in our orientation as, as a volunteer organization. And our orientation is get strategic research out to people to spread the word, to push where we need to push. And although it hasn't gotten us where we'd like to be, it has slowed down their agenda. We all know that, right? Yes. So I we think that it's, it's been slowed down, but it never, yeah. it never, it never ceases to, to progress. You know, even though you can slow it down, you know, it doesn't matter if they have a bad court decision against them. You know, they'll just t- t- keep fighting and repealing until they get the answer that they want. And then, oh, well, then that's the answer. You know, and they did that on gay marriage. Not that I want to get into that topic right now, but what happened with the Supreme Court was when when one of the lower courts had ruled in favor of supporting a a state's constitutional um, statement that marriage was between a man and a woman, they, they they said, oh, we'll take that one. But when it had gone the opposite way, that they um, said that, you know, the opposite side of that, that that it was um, fine to have gay marriage, then the court, the top court said, oh, well, we don't want to interfere with that. That's a state question. So they took, they took it only when they wanted to put their opinion on it as they wanted to, to adjust the country. And that, I don't want to get into that particular topic necessarily, but just as an example about how they'll pick and choose and how the well, left progresses. Right. They continue to progress. It's so it doesn't, all, it, you know, we think we think we've made it. We, the, we have some small victory, but that victory uh, is always going to be challenged. We had more than small victories, and we need to remember that. You know, it is the third force in the House of Representatives, and the even if meager increase in senators with integrity that is continuing to uh, thwart what they can, write up what they prefer, and have it ready if and when we get a president or a leadership 
uh, in Congress that will do something about it. So I, I'd like to think of it by way of a metaphor. If you're in a train that's going to go off a cliff and you know it, the first thing you better do is everything you can to slow it down on the tracks towards the cliff. Then the next thing you better be doing is you better be building some new tracks that you can redirect the train onto when you get enough momentum to go in another direction. Do you like that metaphor? That's a good metaphor. So uh, Ruben, I wanted to go back to your question, though, because I don't think we we really completed mm-hmm. that on the Oregon shooting. Uh, right. no, I found it completely inappropriate and disgraceful what Obama did. I think either while the shooting was still going on or, or immediately thereafter, running out. He's been hiding. He's been hiding for a few days because he didn't want to come out in the daylight with all of the um, Iran deal and all of that stuff. And and what Russia is doing over in um, Syria, and how he's pretty much been embarrassed about that. So he's been kind of hiding about that. But now this happens, and right away he's out in front of the microphones. And what does he do? He 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 flat out said, "I am going to politicize this, and I'm going to politicize it for the purpose of gun control." He flat out said it. And from what and Jackery and I were talking about this earlier, from what I've seen, the folks in that Oregon town are not very happy about that, <laughs> to the point of saying, you know, he's going out there, I guess. And some of them are saying they don't want him to even come because, well, um, had the biggest because public- he's politicizing it. Right. Fox had the biggest publisher in the area on, and he said our entire community, our public officials, our police, and the people who live here are all in agreement. Obama is not welcome here. Uh, They were, you know, they were rightfully, rightfully offended. Well, I wanted to cover another... I wanted to cover something else that that I think is very. In, I think Lorraine just mentioned um, the situation with Iran. Uh, we have a president that has been really sidelined by Vladimir Putin because uh, Vladimir has taken up the leadership and has gone after ISIS. Yeah. Now, Mr. Brzezinski, who's one of um, Obama's top foreign policy advisors, came out and said that. We should go after the uh, the Russians because oh they're atta- they're attacking our assets. So my question to everyone, my understanding is, if you're saying that the people who are in in, in Syria who are fighting the Russians are are, you know, supposedly our assets, does that mean that ISIS is actually working for us? Because that's what the Russians are going after. See, what I understand on that, Ruben, and, and others may understand differently because I don't know if I have the complete or, or accurate picture, but there's three groups there. There's Assad, you know, who's, the, who's in the, the regime, and I guess, you know, he's kind of an evil guy. Um, but I'm, I'm actually kind of sick of overthrowing regimes because it seems like what comes in after we overthrow somebody is worse. Uh, look at Egypt, look at Libya. I mean, both disasters. Iraq now is a disaster, although that's probably because we pulled out too soon. Um, so you have Assad, 
and then and uh, as I understand Russia Russia and Assad are buddies. And right. then you have these the, the ISIS. And as right. I understand Russia doesn't like ISIS and we don't well we say we don't like ISIS. I have no idea what Obama's doing with ISIS frankly, but our position is we don't like them. And then there's another group called the quote rebels. And that's the group we've been sending, you know, arms to and supporting. And apparently Putin has been bombing. And they're fighting Assad. ISIS is, I think, also fighting Assad. I don't know what they're doing to each other, but there are those three groups. And so what I heard was Russia was bombing um, the the rebels. And but now, in the last couple days, they've been starting to bomb ISIS. And I've been reading that they're making an, 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 a significant dent in right. ISIS. And not only that, Russia, I read today, is arming the Kurds, which we should have been doing for the last three years, is helping the Kurds, because they're, the, they're strong, they're brave, and they won't run. But we have been ignoring them, and we've been ignoring their pleas for help. And shame on us. And I read that um, Russia is now arming the Kurds, and, and the, the Kurdish people were out speaking about the support they're getting now from Russia. So we right. have left an incredible right. vacuum in the Middle East. Russia is stepping in and, and, and taking over, and who knows, if they're arming the Kurds, I'm, I'm with them on that. And if they're bombing ISIS, I'm with them on that. And I don't know about these rebels. I don't even know who they are. Well, uh, right. when, when, a, when a top foreign policy advisor for Obama comes out and says that they're attacking our U.S. assets. That, to me, that interpretation is ISIS because that's what the Russians are bombing. They're bombing ISIS. Yes. Yeah. Right. working for us. So Unless it was these rebels, which maybe we well, would consider them our assets. But, but there are assets I understand to overthrow it, Lorraine, right. there, there is a deeper... A much deeper issue involved here. Uh, apparently, according to some expert I recently saw interviewed, and he's got it in some book I can't remember, uh, Putin's relationship with some key Arabs goes way, way back. Uh, that Supposedly, he goes back with Khomeini to the 60s or something. Okay. And... And that the underlying issue is that Putin is interested in restoring the the, the strength and expansion of Russia. Um, you know, sorry, the Soviet Union's gone is what he said was his biggest, biggest regret in life when he was interviewed on 60 Minutes or whatever recently. So the idea is that Russia is looking to get a foothold in the in the Middle East with the vacuum we're creating there where his their relationships are cemented in a way that is uh either a chip on the table or a hardship for the energy supplies of Europe. Right, cuz he right, uh, right. With his with his foothold in there, he'll be able to control more oil. And oh, and okay. right, and so right. The, you see the underlying. If we peel the layers off this onion, Doreen, you know, which we've been doing with our ram, wham roundups for 
more years than we'd like to count now. Little did we know, starting back in 08, <laughs> you know, right. this would be a, a, a um, way bigger right. long. Yeah, I, I do want to remind you guys um, that uh, it's, I, I don't know, can you stay on longer? Russ, a little bit? Um, I, could, I can stay a little longer. How long does your show go? Does it go till um, 9 goes Central, to, 10? 10 o'clock. Okay. 10 o'clock. Uh, we are going to go to a commercial break. Okay. Uh, and so hang, hang on with us for a little bit. Um, okay. And uh, see you back in college kid earn money to pay for their tuition or even give one a chance at going to school? Perhaps you could be a sponsor in our upcoming national essay contest called Tipping Point. Yes, that's right. Tipping Point. Hmm, what is that? Hmm, I'm thinking right here. I'm Doreen Finkel, the CEO of StudentsForBetterFuture.com, and we're organizing the contest. The registration begins for the students November 1st and ends March 1st. And you know what? Not a day or two later because that's cheating. It is an essay contest in which students between the ages of 18 and 25 who are attending a two- and four-year university, well, they're going to have to write a 1,500-word essay on the national desk. And no less students, because we're going to run that through the word counter of Microsoft Word, and it doesn't include the little words like of and that and then. So, folks, oh, and I forgot to mention the contest for the students is free to enter. So here it goes. Do you really want to help a college student? Well, how about it? Okay, sponsoring one student can give him as much as 500 office tuition, and as simple as this, you do sponsor one student, or maybe two, three, or four, all you got to do is $40 per student. So let's think about it. Sounds cool, doesn't it? And $500 is a big deal when your tuition is way over 10000 and you know what? Those bills, they just keep mounting and mounting and mounting. So, hmm. Oh, and let me mention this. No donation is too small. You donate $20 or $10 or $5 or anything less than the $40, you can join with another sponsor and you become a co-sponsor. So simple as that. Anybody who donates to the contest will sponsor a student. And what's even more fantastic is that you will be able to see the work of the student who you sponsored on our website at the end of the contest. They will be posted on studentsforabetterfuture.com backslash essay. studentsforabetterfuture.com backslash essay. Any money you give us is tax deductible because the group is a 501c3 nonprofit. So you can write it off on your taxes. And we are also verified by Uncle Sam on sam.gov. How much more can you get? So go ahead, become a sponsor to the contest. And you can go to the website at GoFundMe.com backslash tipping point. That's GoFundMe.com backslash tipping point. I'm Doreen Finkel, CEO of StudentsForBetterFuture.com, and let's do it.
That was great. Oh, we're back on. Yes, we are. We're back on. Um, Doreen, what wonderful and valuable work you're doing. Thank you for all that. Um, This end is very difficult, and a lot of people don't understand that you just can't go and recruit a student or go onto a campus and recruit a student um, because there's so much going against you. And when I started the project, you know, I said in the beginning of the broadcast, I didn't know even the Republican Party was against us, you know. So, so well, don't feel bad. They're against, they're against everybody. <laughs> and, again, we're not aiming that at everyday Republican citizens, you know. No, it's just the establishment leadership that's doing this. Yes. Uh, and that makes one more obstacle, but... Um, we're able to figure out ways to get around that. Uh, and, and that's one of the things we run as the essay contest now. But go ahead. Let's continue well, it, with sound, it sounds like a great idea. And picking up where we left off, in peeling the layers yeah. off this onion, the question people need to ask themselves. You know, I listen to people be shocked by what's happening, surprised by what's happening, confused and puzzled by what's happening. And I I don't experience any of the shock or surprise or confusion. Dismay, yes, outrage, certainly. But the question you have to ask yourself was, and, and this includes Ruben in relation to what's going on in Syria and what's going on in, in you know, elsewhere. The question to be asked is, do you believe that the current occupier of the White House ever had an intention of, of preserving the United States and its Constitution? Do you Go see? ahead, Ruby. You want to answer that? I, I, I'll yeah, answer that. I, because... I, I believe from the moment that he set foot in the White House, that Obama is not who's who's not making those decisions. I mean, he has handlers: Valerie Jarrett, uh, George Soros, Mr. Brzezinski. All these yes. individuals are the ones that are, are actually dictating what he needs to do, when he needs to do it, and how he needs to do it. And I've always believed that from day one, and I still believe it. And do you believe that he himself ever had a committed intent to preserve the U.S. Constitution and our republic? Well, no, no, he didn't. He, he did right, because right. The, people, the people that are, are behind him, who are the ones who are calling the shots, they, they want to move the U.S. from uh, the United States from, from a constitutional republic. That's it. It's all a globalist agenda. Right. So all this well, here's becomes... another question. Here's another question for you related. Do, do you believe that Obama likes the United States of America? No. No, and and absolutely yeah. not. And I actually will go further to say that that uh he intentionally wants to lead this country into communism or bring yes. it down that road. Um you know, and because that's how they gain control, and 
the ultimate objective is to go to a one world order. To, you know, to yeah, it's globalism. globalism. Right. Yes. It's it's beyond communism to globalism. So yes, I, I, for those who are aware that that's what the agenda has been and that's where his intention lies and that's where he's directed as Ruben pointed out then on that basis as dismaying and frustrating and concerning as all this is what it is not is a surprise you know this isn't simple ineptitude at play here you see what I mean? Yeah. Let, let me ask you, you guys something. Do you remember the election of 1992 um, with Perot against Bush Senior? Um, yes, remember of that course. Election? Sure. Okay. A lot of people liked Ross Perot, and I was a baby at the time. You know, I didn't understand what the media was doing. I, I now I do believe they intentionally use this splitter thing like what you were saying and and made a divide there somehow um and and Ross Perot did, he eventually did drop out so yeah this has out. been going on of the right well, this has been going on for a long long time that's why i keep referring to it as one party rule I'm referring to a group of people who have been around for a long time that have their labels of Democrat or Republican, but they're, they really operate as a unit behind the scenes. Does that make sense? So Yes. Yeah, so how do we break this? This operation of a unit. Well, that you know, I, I'm glad that you said that because I didn't know we've had this. We'd have this time, and Lorene and I had discussed recently before coming on air, and I, I'm delighted that there is a moment to bring this up to your listeners. It's very essential that concerned citizens pay particular attention to House of Representative races and Senate races, yes, but particularly House of Representative races that are either in their own district or in the case that their own district is pretty much no contest one way or the other, Mm -hmm. that the concerned citizens put their activism behind House races that are vital to building the third force that we've been developing in the House of Representatives. That third force in the train metaphor, that's the new tracks being laid. You know, that's all the better legislation and and the better budget cuts and the better research and the better visionary ideas that have been accruing, though they have been by and large blocked from action thus far. And Lorena and I were discussing that, you know, the, the 2012 results uh, were, let's see, we got to go back further. The 2010 results were phenomenal. 
You know, that that was a moment mm-hmm. of triumph for for getting an office. Uh, call them if Tea Party candidates if you want to. Uh, some would say conservative. Lorene would say that. I'm inclined to say constitutionally grounded, you know, ethical, constitutionally grounded. Great movement was successfully generated. But what happened when the next presidential round came of Obama versus Romney is that the the mass media did its job of absolutely fixating everybody's attention on the presidential race to the exclusion of those so-called little house races. Do you see? And that's done purposefully. So when you ask what people could do, something people need to know is that during the last presidential race, when Obama stole the office, he was not legitimately reelected. You may or not know. That was quite fraudulent. During that contest, when all the public attention went to the presidential race, behind the scenes, the DNC very precisely targeted the people we had gotten in that they wanted to throw out. You know, they didn't want them to stay there. And unfortunately, because of the lack of general activism at the House level, due to the attention to the presidential race, some really good new people who just got in in 2010 turned around and got ousted through highly targeted DNC campaigns uh, during the last presidential race cycle. So something people really need to do is to be aware that in the last election, this was the non-presidential, you know, we did bolster some more better people back into the House. There are enough of them now in a headcount to be putting a bit of a jam in the gears, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're they're putting together stuff to lay the tracks, but they can't actually lay them un- until we've got a better White House and, and a decent Senate to count on. But they've been working away. Remember, the House controls the purse strings. There's a lot of things constitutionally that need to be properly initiated in the House. So people really ought to start paying attention to what's going on with their own representation in Congress, in their congressional district. And then if we come back on the air with you, which I think we'd, we'd be happy to do, right, Lorene? Sure. Mm-hmm. And sure. Uh, if if we're able to continue with the kind of tracking that we've done in the prior elections, we can let your listeners and concerned citizens that can be reached, we can let them know what the crucial house races are to preserve. Does that make sense? We got to those. One of the things I might mention, Jackie, with Jersey. 
did you ask that question? Is anybody in New Jersey the crucial house races to preserve? Uh, we'd have we'd have I to look up at them yet. Data. Uh, okay. But one of the things to um, that was used in the to. 2012 election especially and other elections is a third party so your listeners your students as they look at these elections sometimes people get enamored with a third party candidate you mentioned ross perot i mean bill clinton only won 35 percent of the popular vote and he became president because of ross perot um but um ross perot taking away so many votes but um this happened an example was virginia cuccinelli was running for governor great candidate, but there was a, quote, third party who was supposed to be a, quote, libertarian. It turned out that it was discovered that he was heavily funded by the Democrats. He peeled away just enough votes. that He peeled away 8% of the vote, and Cuccinelli lost in a very, very close race. And I would say if those voters thought they were libertarian, there's no way they would have voted for the the winner. They would have voted for Cuccinelli. So a, a, a Democrat strategy seems to be, at least in some cases that we've uncovered, is throw in a third-party candidate, peel off. It's kind of like a splitter strategy, actually. Peel off enough votes that the conservative won't win, and and be sure that that third-party candidate is one that would appeal to, you know, conservative or constitutional-minded people. Some of the really good people that we put in in 2010 in exactly the way Lorene just described, were targeted by the DNC with some kind of a splinter strategy and or a, a disreputable mass media uh, barrage in their district and only lost re-election very, very marginally. So it, it's very true, as Lorene said, to watch out for bogus third-party candidates uh, we, you know, if we had our trackers in front of us from prior elections, we we could try to retrieve the data to even give more examples of of house races where candidates were put up who were put up as a Republican but funded by the DNC literally to split up a primary vote. Uh, a lot of shenanigans go on, and you've got to really get down in the dirt and do a lot of analysis to figure that out. Another issue is that through the tracking we've done, and when you asked about your 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 district and your state in New Jersey, Doreen, the, the only answer we could give you, even if we had our prior trackers in front of us, we could only give you answers from the past, right, Lorene? And mm-hmm. and the question you're asking really has to do with what's going to go on in 2016, and that's where we could really use some more WAM volunteers to help us uh, with all the data collection for the strategic tracking and analysis we do. So, again, I'll say for listeners who are still there, the email address is info at whamaction, W-A-M-A-C-T-I-O-N, dot org. Uh, send us a first and last name, city, state, and email address, and we'll put you on the list for this kind of information. And if you can help out at all, let us know. Now, the next point is, <coughs> pardon me, through the tracking we've done, we've consistently observed 
that a large percentage of house races are preordained before they even happen. Right, Loreen? Right. And what that means, Doreen, is that some districts go Republican no matter what. Some districts go Democrat no matter what. Some districts vote for the same old guy that's been there for 30 years based on name recognition no matter what. Do you see? Sounds like So part of the strategic tracking Lorene and I have done that made a real big contribution to the outcome in 2010 because a lot of people spread our information and then somewhat in 20 and in 2012 is that we let concerned citizens know what house races really needed the help. So if it turns out, Doreen, that you live in a district where the results are in advance determined, do you see? You know, mm-hmm. we've got the statistics that show that district isn't going to budge, whether you like it or not. But maybe there's another district in your state down the road where there's a very important race happening that involves a constitutional candidate uh, who's embattled with, we'll call them an establishment candidate, then wouldn't it make sense for you to direct your support towards that other race, that other district? Do you see? Mm -hmm. Whether it would be by giving money, by helping to make phone calls, by canvassing, you know, there's a lot of ways to help a campaign. So to answer and we question, saw that I think with the Tea Party quite a quite a bit during um, during the 2010 election in particular, where the Tea Party would mobilize and go to maybe a neighboring state to campaign, you know, go do some door to door work for a particular candidate um, that was you know a, a a Tea Party supported kind of candidate. So, um, what district are you in, Doreen, in New Jersey? Do you know your district 11. number? Eleven. Yes, oh, 11. yeah. You got kind of a. You've got Rodney um, Freeling. Freeling Heisen, I, yes. Heisen, yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't score too well, does he? <laughs> no. He's, he's I'm looking at. There's a, there's like a good site. He's been there thirty years. A long time. Long oh time. my goodness. Yeah. And um, we had a, a candidate run against him last year. His name was Rick Don Bland. Um, he was a, a challenger and, and a constitutionalist, and um, uh, he got about, I think it was 19% of the vote, so he did put up uh-huh. a good run. Uh-huh. Um, but the, And the Republicans, of course, didn't back him. They went right with the establishment in Rodney Freelinghuizen. So right. um, he was get, putting a lot of money out of his own pocket. Yeah, so you hear thing. how that is... A kind of an organic situation, Doreen, that brings us into next year to be able to identify in the 2016 election where are the vital hot races going to be. Because the long-term vision is we did great in 2010, 2012, last presidential race, we lost some people, Last congressional race, 
we regained some more seats to the point that there's not enough to take a leadership influence, but there has been enough to put a cog in the works of some very bad things. So what we want to have happen is we want to build up, I call it the third force, you see, we want to build up this third force of constitutional representation that identifies with integrity to their platform and commitment and we the people rather than the party. We have been growing those numbers. You know, we had a fallback, but then we grew again. We have been growing those numbers. So optimistically, with enough citizens getting really well-informed and taking really smart activist positions and following through with commission, uh, commitment where support is deserved and needed, it is theoretically quite possible that we could, in this forthcoming 2016 election, increase the numbers of that third force where they can take more initiative. Does that make sense? Yes, it, yeah, does. it does. It does. It does. It's like, Lorene liked the, the ironic humor that I put in the Wham Alert uh, that, that went out to our national email list this week. I put a little note at, 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 at the top of the, uh, the, the news release for tonight's show. I said, here's a puzzlement for you. The mainstream media has been adamantly declaring for more than a year that the Tea Party is totally dead. But... That's not true. But, but this month, time. but this month, the mainstream media blamed the resignation of Speaker Boehner on quote-unquote the growing influence of the TV, of the Tea Party. Tea Did you get the kind there? They're saying we're dead, but now they've blamed us for Boehner leaving. You know, so well, let me, only the let me, mainstream media can get away with those kind of contradictions. So uh, we, we have, can we have, do it. We have only a couple of minutes, right. so, uh, but, right. but I, wanted, I wanted to touch on one last subject. Uh, uh especially Lorraine, who's who's in the business. Right, we have 90 seconds, so go ahead, Lorraine. The quick one uh, is, how do you see this economic situation that we are in this very stagnated uh, situation economically for the past couple of years? What do you see us in the next couple of years? Well, we need a change in leadership for sure, and we need some savvy people in Washington to to start making some decisions and driving some policies that are going to be pro-growth for this country. Um, you know, we've, we've poured trillions of dollars toward this problem, and all of that money has gone to special interest groups of Obama's. That money has been completely wasted. We might as well have had a bonfire. Fantastic. Right. right. Um, okay, guys, we're I would like to share time. in closing. Yeah, I know we're out of time. Yeah, can you just tell us your website? Identifying the right candidates and races Ruben is a whiz at that. Yeah. Jackie, right. you want to uh, say the website real quick? Because we're going to yeah, go pull. Cool. the website. Go ahead. 
Um, the the website is not going to be active again until we get more volunteers or to email. help with. The email address okay. is info at wham w a m action a c t i o n dot org. First name, last name, city, state. Let us know if you can help or if you just want to be on the email list. We promise to send you those enlightening right. links um, about the RNC okay. Splinter strategy. Okay, so, um, i got to cut you. We, um, folks, uh, I want to thank Lorena and Jaffer for coming on tonight. And you are welcome uh, anytime. And um, I will have the email address uh, up on our website in case you want to contact them. Um, and, uh, folks, I want to also tell you that next week uh, we were going to have Dr. Bernstein of the uh, Ayn Rand Institute coming on. And uh, until next week, thank you, everybody, and have a good night. Good thank night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, so